like used to be real religious but isn't Christian anymore but lives in a never ending shame spiral of judgment and projection. So, so when he dumped me, he said something really fucked up. He said, Amy, it's just like when we're together, it's like all the other guys that you've been with, it's like they're all I can think about. And I was like, oh my god. What a coincidence. <laughs> that is crazy. Same thing right here. Okay, here we are again, Tuesday, May 28th, 2013. It's spring. It's definitely spring. Uh, I can open the door of my studio to see some nice winds happening. Winds from the north, I believe. If that happens, I thought all wind came from the south. Uh, and worked its way up n northeast. That's, just, that's some kind of knowledge that I've retained that could be incorrect. I've never been in a meteorology class or anything like that. Look, it's spring. We got out of that winter. We made it. We made it. I, I Honestly, it was a tough one. Uh, it was one of those tough ones. They're all kind of tough ones. Like when it's cold, and it's, I loaned out a bit during that winter. I, I mean, I was also touring some too. But look, God, here we are. Another episode of The Wandering Wolf. I just m messed around with uh, with a little song. I wrote a little thing in Ireland a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, with the jet lag, you start to get... So I wrote this little thing when I was walking back from the venue to the hotel. And then, just today, I kind of thought of this melody while I was on the toilet. It kind of worked with the, with the lyrics that I had written. Anyway. That was kind of fun. I just did that for the last few hours when I should have been working on this podcast to get it out to you, the people. Uh, but, you know, I got I to gotta stay true to my artistic vision. I think it was Neil Young that said it in a documentary. Someone told me about a documentary about Neil Young in which he said something along the lines of when you feel struck by a creative idea or when you feel struck by that, that uh, muse of inspiration, you have to follow that. Uh, no matter what, no matter if you're at a party or if you're uh, supposed to be working on tomorrow's podcast or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to just, you know, follow that line of of uh, movement. So, like the like the fucking dragons and out, coming out of people's chests and Donnie Darko. I, I say dragons; they weren't like Chinese dragons, but in my mind, that's what they are right now. I guess it was more like some spirit host. But look, let me just say this: very special show. This is a, a really good friend of mine. This is someone that I've known for, I don't know, five, six years, seven years, eight years maybe. I've known, her all, I've known Amy Miller all my life. Uh, I was born from her. She's my mother. You do the math. I don't know. It's, this algebra is too, it's too complex for me. I'm but a meager humanities major, okay? What else can I say about Amy? Uh, other than she is an awesome person, and I really have enjoyed knowing her the last several years. Uh, and I think you guys will, will uh, also find her very warm and inviting. And she's got some interesting stories. She's, she's been through some shit and had a very interesting upbringing. Very rich. Not rich. She, was, she didn't grow up rich, but rich and like a thick broth of upbringing. You know, as opposed to fucking bouillon. You know what I'm saying? Bouillon! So, yeah, let's, let's get to this interview. I'm rambling. I'm meandering. It's that time of the day. My cheesecake has kicked in. 
things are starting to get a little bit more verbose slash make a little less sense. Okay, it's Tuesday. You're hearing this Wednesday or after, possibly even into the years 2023 or beyond. That's a decade or beyond. So now we're going to go back in the Wayback Machine. And uh, we're going to go back a few months when I, when I interviewed Ms. Amy Miller. Hey, gang. I'm here with Amy Miller, good friend, comedian, booker slash what else at the Aladdin Theater. Marketing director. Marketing director. It's a day job. Yeah. And we're in Portland, Oregon. We're at her house. A lovely one-bedroom, large, large one-bedroom. Rock bottom prices. Pet, there was a pet deposit. Mm. But Do you find that? Is that pettist? Like, it is a little bit pettist. Yeah. It's worth it, though. Yeah. But my landlord was like, the good news is, if she dies suddenly, we'll give you that money back. Really? Yeah, so he's very thoughtful. Well, now, what if she, but what if she lives and you and you move out at some point? Do you get that deposit back fully? I don't think so, no. That's not a deposit then. It's just a fee. That's a fee, pet yeah. fee. Yeah. I find that pettist. Also, don't think dogs and cats should be the same price. Right, dogs will fuck shit up way more than cats. Yeah. Cats just will hurt you emotionally. Cats, you know, in a way, this cat excluded are a bit aloof for my... Yeah. This cat's into people. Yeah. I like dogs. I just have a cat because I don't make good decisions about things. And one day someone was like, do you want this kitten? And I was like, yep. <laughs> it's pretty It's pretty cute. <laughs> Let's not think any more than just yes. Right, right. <laughs> But you know what? She's a pleasure. She seems like a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. She would love to hear that. Yeah. Well, she did. She did hear that. She may not have understood. She's going to be tweeting about this tomorrow. I'm not no. a cat person, but she Your has... Your cat has a Twitter. She has a Twitter, but mm-hmm. I'm not a cat lady. What's her Twitter called? The Real Meeps. M-I-E-P-S? M-I-E-P-Z. M-I-E-P-Z. Because there was already a Meeps. I don't know. Some like Serbian girl or something. What a bitch. I know. You and I are friends from San Francisco... Oh, Oakland, really? Yes. And you, you moved up here about how many months ago? December 1st, I moved into this apartment, so it seems like a lot longer. Three, three four months. Why? What? Because what, what, what? we we haven't talked about this yet at all. Oh, I'm why just, did I come up here? Yeah, like what? Like what? what um, like... You're, you, have, you have deep roots in the Bay Area. I do. Well, that's why I wanted to leave. It was just too, it was getting to be too much? Well, San Francisco started to be horrible. So, and I never really liked it that much. Did you consider moving back to the East Bay or what? Yeah, of course I did. And that's exactly why I was like, I need to move. Mm-hmm. Because I could just move back to the East Bay and stay there forever. But you shouldn't do that. I just started looking for jobs in like, you know, eight different towns I would want to live in. I was just ready to go. And it wasn't even necessarily the best time, but... I don't know, though. It's funny, like... I feel like I moved around because... If you live in several different parts of California, like, I mean, if you're a person from the East Coast, you know, like the states are like two hours away from each other. Right. And you can be like, no, I oh, lived definitely. in Did you live in Bakersfield or, or wherever for any amount no, of time? No, well, I went to high school in Reading. But you never lived where your mom lives now? No. Which is Bakersfield, right? Yeah. 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 But I felt like, you know, being like ripped out of the Bay Area to go to basically what is the Midwest. 
but it's still in California. Like, that was a culture shock. To Reading. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, you know, I needed I needed a change for sure. So, it just ended up being Portland because I got a job here. So, um, you just, you looked around and you found that the Aladdin Theater was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I have adult-sized debt. I can't just, like, pack up a backpack at this point. Right. And, like, show up in a place. I would love to be able to do that. I wish I had started comedy, like, at the appropriate age for that sort of thing. What's the appropriate age to start comedy? Like, 20? Yeah, like, 2021, when you can sleep on a futon. Like, when I started doing what I did. Same shit. Living four people in a one-bedroom. Totally. It's an appropriate age to start a lot of things when you're just, like, reckless and you don't require a lot of money and you don't have a lot of debt. Like... So, when you did start, which was, what, like... Five years ago, something like that, would you say? No, no, no. Um, Less than three. Was that less than three years ago? Yeah. Seems longer. It does seem longer. <laughs> so. Since I've gotten so good so fast. You have, actually. <laughs> what? Why did you start doing it? Like, was it with Becky, like at those open mics in the Brainwash or whatever? Yeah, Becky took me to my first open mic. In um, San Francisco? This Becky is my, is my sister, yeah. For the, the great for Becky listeners. Wolf, mm-hmm. who was actually really good at comedy right away. And I had already been thinking about it and, in general, thinking about, like, what I could do that would be really scary to, like, overcome my stage fright. I just thought about all this stuff, like, all the opportunities I probably missed because of general extreme social anxiety slash stage fright. You say you have that, but I, I I mean, I see it to an extent, maybe. But not really. Well, it's better now. I mean, it's this is really the first time in my life I felt, like, pretty free from it. But it's been really bad. Like, when I think back on my college experience, and I didn't really know what it was at the time, but now I realize, like, how many college classes I missed just because, like... Like, if I was, like, running one minute late for, like, a lecture, mm-hmm. I would just skip the whole thing. Even if I was standing outside the door. Why? Because I didn't want to walk into a room. You didn't want people looking at you? And, yeah, see and see anybody turn around and watch me walk in. That's, that's extreme. And then, you know, I had all that weird shit happen at the same time with, like, my family and stuff. So I was, like, it just was a coincidence that Becky was going to this open mic, and I had already been That was at the same time that you did the whole thing with your family, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to force you to go into all that (laughs) shit, but that was some insane shit. A bunch of shitty, insane stuff happened at the same time. Saturn returning or whatever. Right. That's like what Debbie said. Or do you want to delve into that? I mean, if we're going to get raw, (laughs) if if this is going to be interesting, we probably should. Well, I mean, we can get into whatever you want. Okay, I'd like you to tell the story. Well, there were a handful of things. I think it's, like, a little bit scary for everybody when you're about to turn 30, but then, yeah, all this other stuff happened, so... You found out. Your mom called you one day, right? Or your yes. brother? So, well, the final, final straw, which was, like, the last thing that happened that I was like, I got, I'm going to start doing comedy. There's too much to say. That's There's too much pain. So I better start funny. doing comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, my friends are sick of hearing about it. Sort of. I mean, people were kind of fascinated. No, I by was. It. I like, was never sick of it. <laughs> yeah, you guys liked that story a lot. <laughs> I felt like people were sick of it, so I was like, maybe I should just tell strangers. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so my mom essentially was going to be outed on a secret she had been keeping for almost thirty years, which is that my father was not my father, and it was this other guy who was also dead. Essentially, I ended up with two dead dads in, like, <laughs> a span of minutes. Um, 
yeah, you know, then that means that my sisters were half-sisters and found out that my brother had known since I was 13 or something, and the guy died when I was 19, and... He's only your dad, not your brother's dad Yes, either. she had four children by three men. So my Your brother's a different dad, a second dad, yeah. a third dad, I mean. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The dad that you grew up with was your older sister's biological father? Yeah, both okay. of my sisters. Okay. Yeah. And apparently they weren't having sex at all because my father was impotent at the time. So there was this whole other layer that, like, my dad, who died when I was nine, was not, like, the nicest dude. And Your biological or the dad you grew up with? The dad I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously that was an issue for all of us for a really long time. And that was maybe the hardest part of all of it is that now we have empathy for him. Long after he's been gone. Right. And it was like my mom had this key to like help us understand, you know, why this dude was like kind of shitty all the time. But then when we really think back on it, like he also cooked dinner every night, like packed up our backpacks, you know, like did our hair, like braided my hair. Because a lot of nights my mom just wouldn't come home. Okay. Like we would just not see her face. For a couple days. But for some reason, everyone sided against your father. Well, because he was mean. He was like, kind of shitty, and, kinda, and yeah. he was shitty to my brother, who was like an unruly teenager. And he was, yeah, I mean, he Maybe was abusive. Maybe because he felt like he was, he was taking on... Oh, it was way too much for yeah. a dude like him to have to deal right. with. Right. And so then now... We're like, oh, his wife was like steady cheating on him all the time. Like not showing up back at home while he's like, I mean, he got up at 4 a.m. on the dot like every single day. What did he do for work? Um, He worked for this like sheet metal company in Alameda. He was a salesman. Mm-hmm. So he would like sell, you know, large amounts of sheet metal to like companies and and actually like, um, um I can't remember what they're called. In Empire, no, Return of the Jedi, there's, like, those, the walkers that look like the, you know, yeah. from the Port of Oakland. Sure, yeah. He, he sold it. They, like, make that noise when they walk. Yeah. Well, like, Lucasfilms came and they basically just, like, dropped sheet metal on other sheet metal. Oh, for metal recording. And, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So that, that must have been the most exciting day any of those guys that worked <laughs> there had ever experienced. Totally. Like... So, yeah, he was, like, a hardworking dude. You know, like, cooked breakfast. half his kids weren't his kids. Half his kids weren't his kids. (laughs) And me, I mean, I obviously didn't know that at the time. Like, but thinking back, he was really, really nice to me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make that much sense. Like, I was kind of his favorite. I mean, I'm the youngest. But now, you know, even my sisters, who he treated kind of poorly, too. You can't sniff the microphone. That's gonna. We're gonna hear that. It's gonna pick it up. Cats. <laughs> you know, it was like my mom had this key the whole time to like make us like not hate him so much, and she just held on to it. Why? Why do you think she did that? She was. Do ash- you think she was ashamed, or do you think she? Oh was- yeah, it's all about her own shame. I mean, she's still pretty focused on the cheating part, and we're like, you know, we're all adults. We know they had a shitty marriage, and like how sex works and people interact with each other in relationships. Right. Where, like, nobody cares that you cheated. Like, you lied about right. a pretty crucial thing right. for 30 years. Not telling you for 30 years yeah. is the crime, not the fact that she went and stepped out. Oh, she probably cheated with way more people. Right, right, right. Um, and actually, in fact, the morning that 
our father died, my mom was not home. And nobody <sighs> knew where she was. Oh, my God. How did, <laughs> how did he pass? Um, he, this is like pretty classic uh, to his personality. He had a heart attack or he was having a heart attack and then tried to drive himself to the hospital. <laughs> Like, was just like, yeah. I got it. Yeah. And then ended up crashing and probably died before he crashed, but also crashed. Um, and my mom was, like, nowhere to be found. Like, no one you could know, locate her. It sounds her. like, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds, he sounds like he felt like he didn't have any backup. He didn't have support. You know, I mean, his kids were just kids and his, it sounds like your mom didn't give Yeah, him- I mean, he was... He was mean, but now that we're like grown-ups who have had our own experiences with like addiction and anger and whatever else, like I think we just kind of understand it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I was at a slumber party too, which is really weird because I had like no friends and that was when I was still really religious, I was like, "Oh god, put me at that slumber party." I'm curious about that too. <laughs> That's a good segue because like your parents weren't religious, Mm-mm. right? And yet you and both your sisters? No, just my one sister. You and one of your sisters decided at some point you were going to get born again. Yes, and we did it. We did it all the way. <laughs> you did it all the way. And why, like, what, did you get, like, uh, proselytized to by, like, kids at school or what? This um, is in Reading. No, this was in the East Bay. This is in the East Bay. Which okay. actually makes it even a little bit weirder. And it was kind of like we lived a block away from a church, this Free Will Baptist Church, and they would drive a van around and, like, offer to take your kids to church. And hmm. I think it was like, oh, like, Sunday mornings. Exactly. Your father sent me to yeah. pick you up, little girl. <laughs> exactly. Like, can you even imagine letting your kids just get into a van with yeah. some weird guy? But that's before that, that all, you know, that's, like, when all that shit was Early coming out. Early 80s, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, when we were kids, like, that's when that shit started happening. That's prime kidnapping time. Yeah, yeah. Brother Don, he was, like, a nice guy, not creepy at all, but... um I think it was more like, oh, Sunday morning is exactly when football comes on. That's perfect. Yeah. Teach our girls how to be Christians. To get, what do you mean? So that you would get get out of the house? Yeah, just get the kids out of the house. Yeah, yeah. I think they definitely wanted that. And then it was good for was us. Your dad, did your dad watch football and stuff like that? Every sport. Yeah, Every, yeah. like all the sports at the same time. I, like... I actually sometimes think about what he would be like if he had ever experienced the internet because he already, like, would have a radio, a TV, and, like, a paper at the oh same time, God. like, yeah. with multiple sports. Right. Like, all the games or, like, different games on different TVs, like, one in the kitchen and one in the living room. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, he probably would have been, like, Did he bet playing fantasy football. Right, right. Yeah, probably. I remember like Super Bowl pools and stuff, but I don't know if he was regularly betting. He right. probably was. He seemed like that kind the of kind guy. The kind of guy that would. Yeah. Yeah, so we just like took to it right away. So Brother Don picks you up one day, you and your sister. Yeah, like I don't... That's weird. That is weird. It's very weird. And at that time, my other sister was going to like for a while, but she just never really got into it. Uh It's really strange. But, you know, they took care of us like it was a really good um, escape from all the chaos at our house. Yeah. And... No, you know, I think usually churches and organizations like that tend to be really, you know, loving and they bring you into the fold and it's usually a good thing. It's just weird that they, you know, they come and get you in a van. Well, it's weird if you don't go to church and don't believe in it and you let your kids go. Right. Like it couldn't have been about anything else but just getting rid of us. 
Yeah, you know. <laughs> and I guess it could be worse. I mean, my other sister and my brother just did a regular, the regular teenage path of like sex and drugs and rock and roll, mm-hmm, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. So at least they had two that like they didn't have to worry about. But was your brother already like when you started going to church and stuff? How how old was he? How much older? He's like ten years old. He's right? ten years older. Yeah, he was in the band early. I mean, I think so. Her her brother is in. Or was, I don't know, are they still doing stuff? Yeah, they're touring right now, actually. Okay. Sam so, I Am. Sam I Am is like a early punk band, right? Is that what you'd call it? Yeah. East Bay punk East scene. Bay punk. Um, Gilman Street. Yeah, so he was already doing that stuff. Oh, yeah, like as early as I can remember. Okay. I mean... What did he think about the fact that two of his sisters were like... He hated church it. Church going... <laughs> He hated it. And that's the thing is they totally ended up creating these monsters because it was like, okay, we'll send them off to church. They're going to be safe there. These people like feed them. They go on activities that we probably wouldn't have done otherwise. It's not like we were a family that like our mom would have signed us up for like soccer practice or whatever or like any of that. So I am grateful because, you know, we went to summer. I mean, Jesus camp, but like play softball, play volleyball, like all this stuff. Um, that stuff, I mean, honestly, that's pretty, it's pretty good for kids, I think, generally, other than, like, the the guilt that you get ingrained yeah. and things like that, that, you know, I grew up with, too, that stuff is bad, but I think in general, like, the... Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how I would have had any other friends, and I still didn't have that many, but, like, without the church. Um, but then they had these two, like... You know, like a five and seven year old girl coming back home and being like, "You're going to hell." Oh, right. And we're right. praying for you, oh. and you need to go to church. How did they? How did your parents deal with that? I don't know that my parents cared that much. My brother was pretty annoyed by it because then the youth pastor would also come over and try to like witness to them. Oh man! You know, like on the front lawn and stuff, because we were literally one block from the church. So those weirdos could just stop by any time and be like. You know, we see that you're having a party or whatever. Right, right. Like we, the crossover with like what was happening with him at Gilman too was just really funny timing because it was a really big deal, and I only like remember it being a big deal through like the perspective of my youth pastors because they're like they they hated they hated the Gilman Street thing like oh yeah like teenagers in the East Bay are doing drugs they're playing the devil's music. And your brother's one of them. Your brother's supporting the devil's music. Right, right. And I was like, what? Like, he is? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> but, like, I had no concept of what he was really doing, you yeah, know? Yeah. Which was, like, a pretty important thing he was a part of. Right. Um, and so we just, like, had to pray for him constantly at church. Just, like... Um, you would, you would like, they would have a prayer circle or whatever, and, and everybody would, like, bring up their loved ones for prayer or... or you pa- or you pass forward like a... A prayer request. Prayer request. Yeah, and they would print them like for a Sunday morning service because you could submit requests and then they would be like like almost like a program. Like okay. you would see all the prayer requests. Right, on a list. And, yeah, and like most of the kids were like, you know, like help my dad stop smoking or whatever. But we just had to always pray for my brother because of the devil music. and um, <laughs> And then our parents, obviously, who are also fucked... But sometimes they would just roll by the house and, like, try to witness to him. And he would, like, really get into it. And then the one that he hated the most... Your dad your dad, or your brother? My brother. He would get into it with whoever was trying to witness to him? Yeah. Yeah. And then the one that he hated the most, who we actually spent a lot of time with, 
and my sister, like, my sister and I would babysit his kids and stuff, brother Jeff Dallin. Uh, he ended up being a child molester. He's in prison now. That's right. This was one of the other things that came out right before I started comedy that sort of blew my mind. I remember now. Is I'm like, this person that probably made me feel more guilty than anything else. Even more guilty than like the actual Bible or like, you know, what I was learning. Like he was specifically always making us feel guilty about stuff. Sex stuff even. Oh, especially sex stuff. Or holding hands, or, or watching whatever like it was secular movies, yeah. or like listening to Boys to Men, whatever, like everything. And we spent a ton of time with him. He never got us, but yeah, that's like. But that was the same year when I was twenty nine that this story came out, and he went to prison because he had molested like forty oh, like little kids at his Jesus school or something. Christ. And now, even nowadays, like he was still going from like the early eighties. Yeah, he was going strong. Jesus and. It was really because he was such a significant figure to me and my sister, and we didn't really have, like, parents that were around. That was another thing, is that we are like, oh, shit, yeah, like, one day he basically just moved out of town without saying goodbye. Do you like, think it was there just was, like, like, a... I think something must have happened. Yeah, somebody kind of found out on Or he got, was getting or, caught, or yeah. he must have gotten in some kind of trouble, because... Church people don't operate like that. Like, there's, they always have a party, you know, yeah, like, of do course. goodbye potluck yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, He just, like, literally disappeared. And this was a huge, like, you know, adult figure in our lives. Yeah, so or that same year I started comedy. How did he went you guys to get out unscathed? Do you know what I mean? Was it, like... I, I guess we weren't cute enough <laughs> or something. <laughs> was he, like, did he go after boys or girls or both or what? Like, what was this? Boys and girls. Oh, and that was a really funny other piece of that revelation was, like, there's... My sister was still in touch with some of the church people in El Sobrani, and this all happened shortly after um, this other guy we grew up with had come out of the closet. And literally, she was, like, talking to one of these crazy people about the molester, and this woman was like, well, at least he didn't end up like Jimmy, like, talking about the gay guy. At least the molester didn't end up like Jimmy. They had nothing gay. but sympathy for him. For this molester. Oh, my God. All these church people were like, the devil got to him. We're like, no. But the, but the gay guy is, is like, culpable beyond the yeah. devil. Yes. But also, he was molesting little boys. Like, what's gayer than that? That's right. as gay as it gets. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, there's a film. That film is gay as it gets. Did you ever see that? <laughs> Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. Jack, Jack off Greg Nicholson. Greg Kinnear. Yeah. Just fucking the whole time. <laughs> Oh, I like this portrait of Dolly Parton. That she is, she was kind of steaming hot. She looks Damn. real good in that photo. Yeah. I mean, most photos, but she her boobs are too big for you, though. Yeah, no, I like a little, <laughs> I like a little breast, but I'm just saying she's very attractive in that. So photo. So good, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's a talented lady, like Marilyn Monroe or something. Yeah. Um. So wow. So and then how did you squeeze out of that? So brother, brother Jeff, Jeff, Jeff to the molester <laughs> le- left town uh but but how how in the end did you get out of that world was it like going to high school or the move to reading was part of it because i was like pulled away from like all the church people that i had ever known and then you know i never really like bought into it as much as my sister did i have specific memories of her having conversations with brother jeff the molester about she basically ratted me out a lot and really? Like, yeah, like, I don't think Amy's really of, saved. Okay. 
we need to pray for her. Under the guise of let's pray for her. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, she was trying to get favoritism or something from him. He still, which, but he still didn't. I am shocked my sister did not get molested. Because she, this is a horrible thing to say because no one do, deserves to get molested, obviously. Yeah. But there are some kids, this is a really terrible thing to say. There's some kids that might be like, I don't know if it's like street smarts or more like, no, this is weird. Or, you know, like, I don't feel good. My sister's such a people pleaser. She totally would have just been like, well, if you think we should, right. you know, if, <laughs> like, uh, if it's God's plan, she's still kind of that way. <laughs> like, I'm really surprised it didn't happen. Maybe because you guys live too close and he's like, you yeah, know, I better not. That might have been his brief period of like not doing it. Yeah. And then maybe that's I'm, why. I'm sure. He, you know, I mean, look at it the other way. I mean, not to say to side with him, but like he wasn't happy with himself as doing what he did. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this guy was like. You know, I'm just going yeah. around, just molesting some more kids. Someone like that has to feel fucking horrible. And I is, hope so. And is ha- constantly having battles within themselves about what they're doing. And lucky for you, maybe he was in a stint of... Yeah, I don't know. Or we were just ugly. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I feel grateful for it. I honestly don't... I think I I might have been okay, but my sister would not have been. Yeah. <laughs> she would have definitely gone for it. Yeah. Um, but that's the most fucked up thing you can do is, like, not only molest kids, but then also, like, constantly live a life where you're, like, making kids feel bad about everything they do. Because I just lived in a state of, like, perpetual guilt over Same nothing. Same here. Like, Same just here. just watching music videos. Fuck. And, like, what a great time for music. I know, know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to watch Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah, or, like, MTV. Like Yeah, total MTV generation. And I'm my over brother at my friend's was... house, and, like, Mommy, I didn't mean to do it, but, you know, they had on MTV, and I watched Addicted to Love, the music yeah. video, and I cummed in my pants a little bit. <laughs> But it almost seems easier to at least have your parents on board, too, because I was struggling against my own parents. Yeah, then to feel like you're, so you feel like your own parents are going to hell, like. Yeah, and also not knowing what adult you should listen to. Very confusing, it sounds like. Your, your <laughs> yeah, whole, it turned your whole out great, childhood. though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> I mean, so, we watched, like, Porky's and, like, all... And all your parents stuff. would watch that stuff. Or your brother. Everybody. Well, mostly my sister and my brother, who were not Christian. Right. But then my parents, too. Yeah, I mean, I remember, like, when Fatal Attraction first came out on VHS. Like, we watched it as a family. Oh, my God. Why would you do that? But, you know, I mean... I don't, I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily bad, is it? I mean, what? What? What, what do you like? Learning? A six-year-old child watching Fatal Attraction yeah, who doesn't right, know about right, sex right. because also my parents like didn't talk about it or teach yeah. us anything. Yeah, that's true. If you're gonna go that way route and you're gonna and you're gonna expose your kids to all kinds of shit, you gotta at least talk about all that shit real. Yeah, like clearly. hippie style. Like, yeah. this is the human body. It's beautiful. <clears throat> People have sex. Fine, have Watch your daddy and mommy out. have sex. Yeah. Yeah. I learned I learned what sex was from my brother's porn. My sisters showed it to me. Black porn, obviously, Richmond, California. Right. <laughs> um, I guess that's what my brother was into. And I was just like, that goes in what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my sisters were just laughing hysterically. Really? That's how I learned about sex. 
Did they, and no one ever said anything or like explained it further? It was just like, okay, no. that's what it is. That's, yeah. Yeah. Like I had seen a penis, but yeah. they were like, yeah, that goes in there. Oh <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, maybe that's why I'm dating so many black guys. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, but several years ago, you discovered all these things at once. Yeah, with a couple other things. With a couple other things. <laughs> what else? Um, like in a two year span, well, I was kind of jobless because I was working for a company that went under, so it's just real, real broke. Plus that was like the height of like the worst part of the recession. Like everyone Mm -hmm. in the East Bay was broke and even like we were waiting tables and like no one was eating out and it was just bad. My grandmother died. My nephew was born, which was great, but he was like real premature. And then remember all that stuff with like my house I grew up in that it got taken over by like meth head squatters. Okay. It was real bad. So, what about all that stuff made you decide, like, oh, I'm going to start doing comedy now? I needed something. I needed some kind of outlet, but I also really wanted to get over my stage fright. So, mm-hmm. it just kind of all came together at the same time. And then and then uh, Becky was like, I'm going to this open mic. Did it click for you? Like, when you first got up there the first time, how did it feel to do it? Awful. It was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> I still hate it a lot of the time. But you still do it? I still do it. And since I moved away from home, it got like more things started to click. But I didn't have that thing where like people start and they're like, let's go to open mic seven nights a week. But a lot of people start without stage fright. Mm -hmm. So the combination of like already being scared to be up, trying to be funny and like well I guess also a lot of people start and they're not getting stuff off their chest they're like what's what about men and women and how they're different and I was just like I have to barf a bunch of stuff on you guys right right like it was like immediate therapy yeah so the thought of doing that every night sounded like a nightmare to me I mean now kind of what I do in a way actually totally not too different but, like, if something tragic happened to you right now, like, at your show tomorrow, you wouldn't be like, here's a new song I just no. wrote. No, there's, like, the, the five-year process. Yeah. Um, but there's, like, this immediate way in comedy you can, like, that's get why that comedy's stuff out. Tight. You mean, like, good tight? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good part of it. But I didn't understand. I mean, also, everyone starting was, like, 21. And... I didn't understand how everyone I knew was like, yeah, let's do this every single night. This is the best thing I've ever discovered. I'm like, this is horrible. But you still felt drawn to do it. You felt like yeah. you had to get over the, the horribleness of it. Yeah, because it was doing something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you, felt, you felt a release from it, in a way. Totally. Um, and and you, were you talking about all that shit that was going on? Was that kind of like... There was a mix. I did like... A lot of stupid... I mean, I still talk about a lot of stupid stuff. I still haven't found that space where I can only talk about, like, personal things. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, like, looking for it. But, yeah, I started to talk about that stuff pretty much right away. <laughs> I guess I didn't tell the full, like, dad story until, like, just before I moved away from San Francisco. Okay. And, and that you- was good to finally, like, tell it. It's funny to people, I guess. I mean, I guess it's a weird story. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not like, 
I mean, I think the idea of funny is is something that changes over the generations and over, right? I mean, and, and I think for us right now in our generation, I don't think funny has to be like slapstick. You know, we like dark humor and we like stuff that has heart but is also weird and is also, you know what I mean, is like sad funny. I don't know. Yeah, people like to feel like they're getting to know someone. I mean, a lot of people don't go to comedy for that, but that's what I liked about comedy and I was always a fan of it anyway. And those are always my favorite comedians. Like, not like joke, joke, joke. Like, right. set up, punch, set right. up, punch. Um, with music, I guess you can be more successful as a band if you're, like, leaving something on stage for people to feel like they're getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Right? I think not so. Always, I mean, I think, but... I think there was, you know, there's different schools. You know, I think it's the same for comedy. I think there's, like, you know, there's the school where, you, you know, you're playing really accessible, danceable, whatever music, and it's super catchy, and people immediately digest it, but then, you know, you kind of forget about it after a couple of years. And then, and then there's, like, people that, yeah, you have to get to know, and you have to, like... In order to like, you know, our music, for example, I think you have to kind of like, you have to listen to it a bunch of times, you know, and I think that's, that, that holds true for comedy too, you know, there's like a, you're, you, you, you can't be separated from your jokes, or your jokes can't be separated from you. I hope not, no. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not one-liners or whatever. Yeah. In some ways, it, but there is like a little bit more of a separation than sometimes people assume. I mean, you know, it's probably similar maybe with songwriting, but sometimes one story is not, like, actually about a specific person, but it's, like, a collection of experiences Absolutely. from, like, similar people. That's the same, though. That's the same as well. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And so then sometimes take it, people take it really literally, and they're like, I don't know, like, I've gone on dates here where people will be like, well, I don't want to turn into a joke because I heard you tell this other joke about your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not even like a real ex-boyfriend necessarily. It's like a few different people. And it's also like I changed the story to try to make it funny. Mm-hmm. And like maybe part of it didn't exactly happen that way. Right. Like it's just writing. You're a writer. You're a writer. But, I hope so. <laughs> but, but like it's not just sort of uh, it's positively and exclusively you even if even if yes each thing isn't exactly how it happened in your life you know or even if it's fantasy even if you're making something up it's coming from amy miller it's not like some random joke that could be told by anybody yeah i hope so yeah yeah (laughs) i think so i mean if i'm doing a good job but i'm so like very new and I'm trying to get to that point. Where, where are things out with that stuff? Like or like your career and all that shit? <laughs> well, some things got better when I moved. I kind of like got out of my comfort zone a little bit. Well, was it even really a comfort zone? It was uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Because I didn't, I didn't have like the normal trajectory of someone in their first year of comedy because I have two supportive of friends. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't ever really like do it anonymously. I mean, I was also like they would come to all your shows marketing myself in an annoying way. Yeah, but I started to get this feeling that like, oh, if my friends come to the show, I need to have new material every time, which is totally wrong. <laughs> like I should have been focusing on just trying to write well and like learn my jokes. So it was almost harder in a way. To so have were, that support. You were changing it up too much, you feel like, and not and not honing enough. Yeah. It was that's, like I was performing for my friends. That's a hard thing, yeah. That, which they like. I feel that too. But, yeah, right? Like, why do you want to hear this again? You've already heard it before. Right, right. 
But that was just like my anxiety. Like people would have understood mm-hmm. that I was telling the same jokes over. So I didn't like develop that much. I feel like that was another reason I had to move away. And then when I got here, I'm like, oh, I don't. Which was always the same if I toured or like did shows out of town too. I would take more risks because I'm like, I don't fucking know anybody here. Mm -hmm. I don't know the comics and like, who cares? Which always makes for like a better performance. So then once I got here, like more stuff started to happen. Um, Yeah, and I'm doing my first paid week at a club. A whole week? Punchline. What? Well, not headlining, obviously, but it's still like paid work and it's pretty exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And then I got into Sketchfest, and that was fun. I don't know. Um, the Sketchfest is what you were there for when right before me and Anna went there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I just, I don't know, I was, like, stagnant for a while, or, like, kind of doing shows that people offered them to me, but I wasn't really trying to develop that much. Maybe because I had all that support. I don't know. Because I'm like, well, I'll get laughs right. either way. Right. And now I've just been taking a lot more risks here. What does taking a risk mean? I think I just, I think I officially like stopped questioning my place on stage. Like no matter what the audience is or where I am. Whether you belong up there or not, you mean? Yeah. Now I'm just like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And that only clicked like since I moved away, which is a huge step because I mean, I've tried to say yes to a lot of stuff, but like in the past couple years, I definitely had times where I'm like oh, I shouldn't be doing this show, or I, like, go into it in a negative way. Okay. Like, maybe even at your show, like, when Becky and I were supposed to do it. hmm I was just like, it's a music show, and, you know, I just, like, thought so much about it, and that wouldn't happen to me right now. Now you'd say, fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, I, I feel like I would go up in front of everybody, even if it seemed inappropriate, because if you question your place on stage, then everyone else right. will, too. Right. But if you're just like this, I'm supposed to be here, and this is what's happening then right now. Then people will, will follow you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just only recently changed, and it's making things a lot better. Good. So I'm not. And you needed you needed to get out of. She is. She's moist. She's, oh, she's, she's been. Wet. She's been sleeping in the shower. Uh, she just lays down in there. Not pee. I just. It's not pee. It's just water. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, you need you needed to get away from... That makes sense. That makes sense to me. I think, I mean, I also, in my first two years, probably performed out of town, like, way more than someone should. Yeah. Like, it was not a good idea. But fuck it. Why? I mean, then it's, it's good for you. Gave me some, I'm sure it gave you some chops. I think it helped. Yeah, maybe. But I should have been, like, working on developing at home a little bit more. So, are you... So, now are you, like, working on, like, you know how they, they say, like, you know, oh, I got, a, I got a great 45 or whatever. Like, do you have a goal, like, a certain amount of time, sort of joke after joke and do well with it? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how that stuff works. I never, like, am good at talking in those terms and... It's probably a detriment because people do that. I mean, like, I'm not really getting into a lot of festivals and I worry that might be part of it because people just hone this, like, exact seven minutes. Mm -hmm. But then that's, like, the only seven minutes they do around town. That that all seems a little weird to me. Every time you see them and then they get into festivals. And that's fine. I don't, I'm like, if I don't get into a festival, then it just wasn't a good fit, you know? (laughs) Like, if a committee of people watched my tape and, like, didn't like it, then... I shouldn't be in that festival. Right. Or I should get a new tape or something. 
But I don't have like two sets that are ever really exactly the same. But I guess I should. Do you chant? Do you often like when you're up there? You'll kind of change things up as you go, like follow a, a certain thread that you wouldn't have thought you would. It sounds really lame to say, but I've started to like people call it crowd work. So you'll start. I started to like interact a little bit more. Call somebody out. Yeah. On their outfit or whatever. No, not like just randomly, but if something happens in the crowd, you go with it. I try to like at least address it. Mm-hmm. It's not always funny. But, I don't know, I don't film those sets. I mean, that's the thing with, like, trying to get into comedy festivals. Is it's, like, this whole setup where you are, like, I'm doing a show that I'm filming now so I can apply to stuff. Right. And it's not always going to be your best moment. Right. I've had, like, much better moments, you know, other times that just are memories. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess I should be working on, like, those... Chunks of time. Tight sets or whatever. Yeah. Like, so I guess people do that so they can, like, go on Leno or whatever. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's really far away from me. Or, like, you go, I guess it's like you get it so tight that when you tour it, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't really work for around town because then the same people see you over and over. Exactly. The same set. But when you tour it, like, especially for an opener set, like, I, I think for music or whatever, if you have a super tight 30 minute set and you just can wow the audience every time it's like their transitions are great and then, you know i imagine it's the same for comedy that said to me there's something to be said for like being a bit loose and changing it up every night and having it be a living thing you know what i mean and going with the moment you know or the vibe in the room you know i think there's something to be said for both right totally yeah i mean you should i mean you have to be aware of like which environment you're in but the other way around is harder to adjust to. Like, if you're a person who has this, like, tight seven-minute set or whatever that I don't have and I probably should work on, and you're in a room where it's not working or something weird's happening and you have no idea how to, like, bail out of it, it's a million times more awkward than the other way around, you know? Right, right. I mean, it's a harder skill to learn to, like, try to adapt. So I guess I've been more focused on trying to do that for better or for worse. I mean, it's... It's for worse for, like, trying to get into festivals, but it's better for, like, enjoying comedy and feeling, like, confident on stage and, like, making people laugh, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And, like, like you're getting something from it, maybe. Like, it doesn't feel like maybe that way it's more, has a little more uh, life to it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, a living, breathing experience Mm -hmm. and not just, like, me, like, saying these same things I've said over and over. Yeah. Not to say that I don't repeat stuff constantly, and and yeah, that made you have it, to. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, that made it easier to move too because I totally own that I have not practiced enough for someone at my level. I've done maybe like half the sets of people I know who started at the exact same time. Okay, maybe even like a third. Like it's bad, and I am like have a certain amount of shame about that. So I didn't like know even a lot of my my jokes that I've been telling forever. Like, yeah. I don't, like, remember them all the time. Right. And so, moving away from home made that easier, too. And I'm like, well, you haven't heard this a million times, so... Does it feel good to say something to all new people? You know, like a joke, like a tight joke. You know, the the early ones that I heard, like the front butt one. Uh, Which I never tell. <laughs> my mom's insane, as you might have gathered from the other joke about her. Um, she's crazy. She put me up in a lot of ways, and I blame her for it, like any good comic. Um, but I have to say, one of the ways that my mom damaged me, in the biggest way, is that 
Uh, I have two sisters, and when we were little, and we started having questions about our body parts, you know, as you do, my mom taught us that we had a back butt and a front butt. <laughs> that was her solution to this problem. And later on, I saw, maybe my mom was trying to protect me from some stuff, I get it. I don't think she realized how much accidental anal I was gonna have. <laughs> so I got to college and guys were like, can I put it in your butt? And I'm like, um, no duh, where else is it gonna go? <laughs> It turned to dust one. Like, yes. that's a fucking great joke. And, like... Thank you. Does it feel good to, to, to say that to a whole fresh audience? You know, you come to a new town, you know none of these people have heard that. Yeah, it totally feels good. But, beside, I mean, aside from that, too, I'm, I mean, now I, like, see why you're supposed to actually, like, practice a lot and memorize your jokes. If I knew those jokes with 100% confidence, then when you do have to stray from them... Or, like, throw in something new, like a new piece of it. Or I have a couple jokes I've been telling for a while, but now there's, like, they have some new relevance that, like, has to do with Portland or has to do with, like, where I am in my life. Now I can, like, I mean, if you haven't memorized, then you can toss those things in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem awkward. Right. Because you know exactly where you have to go back to. That makes sense. Yeah. There's, like, an ideal way to word everything as well. Like, you know what I mean? Streamlining the joke probably. Yeah. In a way that is the funniest. And, yeah, and knowing knowing it well enough that you feel okay to mix it up depending Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. where you are. Yeah. I don't really talk about front butt ever, though. Because it was... It was traumatic. Because... Well, it was a traumatic time in my life, but... Because all my friends would talk about... And that, and that was another thing, is, like, if I was only telling that to, like, just random comedy audiences, maybe I'd still be telling it, but it was something that, like, my friends would show to their families, like, on right. Christmas or whatever, and... <laughs> Like, that video's still up. I should probably just take it down. Yeah. But those nights at the new parish in Oakland were, like... I think I would be, like, way even worse at comedy if I hadn't done those nights. I never got to go to one of those, unfortunately. I was gone by the time you guys started doing that stuff. I think if you start in, like, like doing open mics in a venue that size in Oakland, like, it can only be good for your comedy development. And actually, like, most of the people that were part of that roster, like, are doing... Like pretty well. It's like the like trial by fire kind of deal. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What about if for a white person is it harder for a white person there? No, the new parish audience was just like really eager to see comedy. It okay. wasn't. It was harder for anyone that wasn't confident, but that could have been people of any race. Yeah. Yeah. And like I definitely saw like black comics just get eaten up, right, like totally right. eaten alive. Oh, yeah. When I figured that out, that I was like, this is. So so fucking terrifying but if i just pretend like i'm being confident right. like it will go better you. yeah um then it kind of started to work what's your end goal not end goal but like where what's the next step for you like what are you what are you trying you trying to get on festivals i would like to get on festivals yeah and figure out like how that works yeah Maybe I just have to have a good tape. Because <laughs> I feel like I have a sort of good name. They I must mean, have like, agents. Don't they have agents for comedians and stuff like that? I yeah, mean, yeah. Shouldn't you get an agent? Somebody that's going to pimp you out? I don't even know how to do that. I don't I don't know. But it seems like <laughs> having someone that has relationships with people. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't know how I would find that. I don't know either. I guess maybe that's one of the reasons people move to L.A. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, right now, I'm really just kind of waiting for some more time to pass. Like, there's nothing else I can do in this exact moment than, like, just try to get better and perform a lot. And, like, a couple good things are already happening. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, like, take it for granted. But, like, I'm at three years right now or whatever. And just from watching other people, there seems to be some momentum that happens between, like, three and five years. And then... Three years is still pretty pretty new to it, actually. Very new. It. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me, because I didn't perform that much. Yeah. I was, like, too anxious about it. You know, David Borey and, like, all these other guys that started at the same time as me. I mean, I've been going out five to seven nights a week for three years. And I'm, in, like... In, in the Bay Area only. Well, they travel, too. They do travel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a little bit of touring. And they're doing well. David's doing great. Yeah, I'm just... I just need to perform more. I don't know what the next step is because right now I'm just like doing a little bit of waiting. Mm -hmm. Like not trying to get too big for my britches. Right. But you're, grind you're grinding it out, right? You're, you're doing a good amount of it around town. Yeah, I perform a lot. And I've been out of town way more than most of the people I know. Yeah. Only because I had like the luxury of a day job this whole time mm -hmm. where I could like go out of town and like not like sleep in a bus station or whatever. Right. Is that over? I mean, are you no longer the baller Amy that I once knew? <laughs> uh, you have a, now you have like a, a not a Silicon Valley job or whatever you. No. Not, not that your shit was Silicon Valley, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, Internet, San Francisco whatever. startup land. Um, no, I'm making like half of my salary, mm -hmm. but it's fine. I don't care. I live in Portland. It's mm -hmm. like so cheap and. It's fine. I'm broke again, but that's like a more normal state of being for me. So it's fine. I wasn't like good at having more money. I was like really stupid about it. Right. And also in Portland, everyone's broke. In Oakland, like when I first started making pretty good money, no one that I hung out with had any money at yeah. all. And I'd be like, let's go out to eat. Let's do, you know, like you can only like treat so many people to so many things before you're broke too. And you don't want, know. you know, it's like. I was doing that with comics. In the Bay Area, but then my actual friends were all too rich. Right, okay. So, I don't have the thing in Portland where, like, someone will be like, hey, let's go grab dinner or whatever, and I'm thinking, like, we're going to get tacos, and then, like, right. $100 later, I'm like, oh, I just had... <laughs> I keep forgetting that my friends are rich. Right, right, right. And right. that's just not ever going to happen here. Yeah. Like, no one has any money. Right. I, like, right, you were hanging out with... Yeah, you know, like, internet serious. people... Yeah, like, my first few weeks here, and I'm, like, I've been trying to make friends and stuff, and I, like, invited someone, or I was, like, he let's go to the movies. Oh, this is, like, the second week of January, and he was, like, he's, like, I just can't, I went real crazy with the Christmas presents this year. And I was, like, I dude, just movie. say that you're broke. That's Aww. definitely not why you don't have yeah, any money. Yeah. But he was, like, a little ashamed or something, and then, yeah, no one has any money here. It's awesome. So you took him to the movies? I think he he just, like, sneaked in, okay. and I paid for my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> that is Portland style when you think about it, like, snuck into snakes on a plane. Yeah, like, people just have, like, pocket booze in their jackets. Yeah. And, like, shop at Goodwill. And that's more normal for me, though. I like that. I it like was, that. Yeah. It was awkward a lot of the time having that many friends that had so much money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So I never, I never had that. You were the richest person I knew in the, <laughs> in the Bay Area. I can't. That's sad. <clears throat> and I was the second richest. That's, um, I got some stock options, so hopefully something will come from that. That's key. So let's hope that company does well. It, You're helping. You guys might. did a lot of shows. Yeah, we're doing with it. them this tour. Yeah. Well, anything else, or is that? Do we? I mean, you know, obviously that's. We're caught up to the present moment, but... How are you feeling emotionally? Shit, Amy. <laughs> what's what's the latest? All right. This is start of Amy Miller episode two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how am I doing? Wow. I, I'm, I'm good. You know, confused sometimes are about you life. confused about... What's your next step? Oh, you just flipped it on me. Now I got to think it in my life. <laughs> um, I think... That I would like to free things up. You know, I started doing this podcast thing because I feel like I need something that is like different and like outside of this like super taught writing and recording. You know, everything is, has to be super exact and super. You know, you know, like I may edit this a little bit, but like not really. You know, what I mean, it's not like spending hours and hours doing a song or years. And then I'm trying to get some kind of studio setup going that I can go in and just sort of work every day and have something that I can, a place where, where we can just do our thing and just whatever. We don't have anything like that. I don't know. What else is there? <laughs> well, how's that. the tour going? Oh, it's it good. Lonely? I'm lonely. Yes, it's lonely. Well, we're all lonely. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lonely. It is lonely. You know what I mean? And I, I tour with my friends, but... Yeah, there's a lonesomeness. And they're like, I get to a point where, like, honestly, I, like, look out and I, like, all, like, make eye contact with really attractive girls. And I'm just, like, I think about it in a way. I'm like, maybe I should go back to trying to talk to her or whatever. You know, which I haven't done for, for some years, you know. But I think it's just a product of just feeling, like, yeah, just kind of lonely. You just want, you know, you just want some kind of... Yeah, I bet. I'm always defending comedians because... Like, you know, the handful of people I know who are actually kind of successful or they tour all the time or whatever. And then the odd, like, lady comedian will be like, he's a creep. He's always just trying to get laid. I'm like, he's in a different hotel room every night. Like, being so happy, you know, for an hour or whatever, doing, like, the best thing ever and getting paid for it. And then just being alone. Like, mm -hmm. of course he's just trying to bone. I would right. do the exact same thing. Like, I don't think it's creepy. I don't... But it's, like, goes beyond, At like, least you have a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're no, it's true. You're not just, like, that, in a hotel absolutely. room by yourself. Absolutely. But I do... But I am kind of on my own in a way as well. Like, yes, yeah. I have the band. Like, but, you know, it's basically, like... I mean, I'm kind of a loner anyway. That's just how I am. But, you know... At this point, the band is kind of like, I'm traveling with three sets of couples. Yes, yeah, a lot of couples. And and then two more people that are kind of, they, they're not a couple, but they kind of hang out together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then me. And that's sort of how I like it. I guess I, you know, have it that way so that I, I don't have anybody relying on me in a way. Maybe that's like my way of doing that or whatever. Yeah, you want it both ways. Probably, yeah. I don't even know that I would know how to be in a relationship or how to do that whole thing. It's just so foreign to me at this point, you know? It seems really far. Why are we all so alone? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like me and Anna have had, like, similar, like, experiences in our new towns, too. Yeah. Maybe our generation is, like, 
more okay with being alone than being with someone that. But makes it's not someone, that many. Make someone happy. You say we all, but like it's not. You feel like everyone's coupled up? Mostly, yeah. How yes, many of that's your friends? True. <laughs> how many of your friends are single? Like at this point? Well, a good amount, but maybe out here, a, comedians know. are single almost always. That's true. That's true. Artistic narcissist types. Yeah. I don't know. I'm very single. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like it's most it's fine most of the time, but when I'm like, well, five years maybe have already gone by since I had like a real real relationship. What if five more go by? What am I, I going to do? Right. I don't know. Like, when does that happen? Like, when does, when does like, someone come into your life and then it's just like, oh, right. This is, like, uh, to me, it doesn't seem like. Well, and it makes it harder if you're trying to pursue something that requires a certain amount of selfishness. What do you mean? You, you, a, a career in comedy or whatever. Yeah, or music. Yeah. or yeah. I mean, because it's kind of, like, you have to be a little bit selfish about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, where do you meet him? Right. That's another thing. Is like, so like at my concerts, like I said, I was like, you know, you start to look at people like that and you think about that. But then I have this huge amount of guilt that I feel about it too. Like, I don't know why, but like, I just feel like, you know, it's like taking advantage of somebody that sees you in a certain light. And it's like, they think they know you kind of, but they don't. And they, you know. Yeah, but they're making their own choices. Absolutely. I don't have any real regrets about, like, whatever any medium-sized celebrities I've ever hooked up with. Yeah. All which are, are which are who? Let's, let's get some names going here. Uh, let's see. Gavin DeGraw. <laughs> Who's Gavin DeGraw? He's just a terrible musician that okay. looks pretty famous. Okay, okay. But I was, like, 20. That's, like, about your demo. Oh, right? that's... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I guess I was a little bit angry about it, like, afterwards at the time. But I don't know why. Only in, like, a 20-year-old girl sort of way. Now I just think the whole thing's funny. Mm-hmm. But I was making my own choices. It's not like any of these girls are, like, we're going to really have something special. Right. But they right? are in some... In some... It's just people want to tell the story. Yeah. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it is that I was pretty realistic, but he was, like, a little bit of a dick. There's a way to, like, make it fun in the moment yeah. and be like, I'm a gentleman, but, you know, also now you have to go. Well, you know but me. Like, I'm, make always, it good I'm, always, I'm always sweet. I'm yeah, even totally. Even probably too much so in those kind of situations where... Oh, I some people feel, get confused. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, although I also was was always... And, again, I did, I did this for a very short period of time, like maybe two, three years was when I was doing that. And that was in my mid-twenties or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I would always try to say, like, you know, we're not getting married. So, yeah. You know, whatever. And they hear you, but they don't... And I, I don't think that, like, those girls hate me now or anything like that. I don't think. But it's within my own self and the way I grew up that I just have this, like, a... Uh, lot of shame. Shame. Lots of shame. Yeah. Lots of shame. You know, and then the whole situation with <laughs> was still weird and doesn't make anything... It it complicates things further. But when is it just gonna either right. reach a conclusion or be something? Exactly, it's got to at some. Do point. you know? I don't know. Let's make a timeline. I can't. That's the thing is, like, I can't. I, you know, she's beyond my. You know, I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I think some people you just never fully shake, though. Yeah. That's like a little bit depressing to think about. I, I'm kind, I've kind of accepted that, you know. So she's a great friend, and that's what it is, probably. You know what I mean? And that's okay. I'm good with that if that's the case. And I, I, I think probably it's like a decision I should I should make, not her in a way. Like 
there's no skin off her back to just kind of like let me just sort of dangle and just be, you know, back and forth and the way she has been, you know. Yeah, because you're going to be there. Right. If I'm just always there when she wants me there and when she doesn't want me there, then it's like. She probably wants you more when you're not available. Yeah, that too. It, work, it, it all it works for her. So I think it's probably going to come down to me deciding. Yeah, but I have like my own version of that situation and. I don't, I mean, the thing is that also most people are like... But he's kind of a scumbag, right? Um, no, he's not a scumbag. Not a scumbag. I never met him. I don't know. Who? <laughs> oh, this is... Okay. Who are you talking about? Some other guy. Oh, no. There was a long-term scumbag you know who for I'm sure. About. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. He's a terrible person. Oh, I love... <laughs> I know. Everybody does. And yeah. so do I. And I think that's like... Sometimes, like, stuff doesn't work out, but most people are, like, pretty boring and disgusting and, like, <laughs> just don't get you, you know? Yeah. So sometimes there's, like, people you can't shake because they just understand you. I mean, I love, I'll, like, always love him. Mm-hmm. We're not going to ever date, <laughs> but, like, you know, if I had two doors to choose from and it was, like, you know, like, go on a blind date or, like, go to the movies with me. <laughs> I would just go to the movies with Right. <laughs> sure. Because it's so much better. Yeah. But you. But the older we get, at some point, I want to settle down with somebody or have some kind of partner in my life. You know, yeah, me too. Romantically and whatnot. I don't know how people find it. I don't know how people find that. But, like, you know, it's, it's like... You have this lingering person, like, or, like, you know, when do you decide that, like, because, like, in the back of my mind, it's like, this could be someone that I, you know, end up with. Well, that I don't feel. Well, he might feel it, but I don't. Exactly. Well, he might feel it. I mean, I want to have him around forever, though. Which also, like, who wants to step into that with me? Like, don't you feel like someone would be threatened by your relationship with him? (laughs) Probably people have been already. Probably they have been already, or, or... You know, when she has a boyfriend, I usually don't talk to her that much. She is insufferable when she has a boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody wants to talk to her. I mean, so far, but I give her a lot of credit for taking such a long break. Oh, yeah. It's been a couple years. So many terrible boyfriends. Yeah. Those dudes were awful. Maybe she would be better to tolerate if, like... It was just someone awesome. Yeah. Then that would be fine. But yeah. Which will happen for her at some point, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. She deserves it. We all deserve it. We all deserve it. (laughs) I just don't know how we're going to find it. Yeah. At least you have a cat. And some terrible internet dates. So. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm on. I'm on. Okay, Cupid and shit. Are you on there? I love that. I love. Yeah, I just started it here. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know anybody here. Like, who gives a shit? Shit doesn't really. That's work funny for me. that you're on it. Doesn't really work. Every lo- girl, love- every girl that I've dated on there has known who I am. Exactly. Like- I love that about it. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. But like. I, I try otherwise, but they don't fucking respond. Like, no one that doesn't know who I am will respond to me, which makes me think, like, okay, obviously I'm not, like, I'm not, like, I don't think I'm unattractive, but I'm not, like, an Adonis, like. The but, whole thing is everyone taking risks. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I'm, like, an acquired taste. Like, you don't just see my photo and go, like, I gotta get that, right, right. you know, which me, is fine. Me, That's me too, and I, and I feel like. How most humans are. But I feel like, I think it's easier for women probably on there. Maybe not. I don't know. 
It's easier in some ways, but, but I don't, not in others. Because you probably get hit up on there. Oh, yeah, constantly. constantly. And I, and I, I, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm on there all the time, but like. But you're like one white dude with glasses and a sea of those. Exactly. Yeah. And all, like, you know, one out of 20 girls that I message will message me back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and you uh-huh. don't like, you don't necessarily like the girls who want to message you because they know who you are but then people don't respond you're like i'll still don't do you it know who i'll still I am? do it from time to time <laughs> no i don't i don't say anything like that but i'll still i'll go out with a girl that knows who i am i mean i don't think that's like yeah. a, like a necessarily a bad thing but like it usually ends up not being that great yeah i mean i don't i mean obviously nobody knows who i am but i say on there that i'm a comedian and i know after like a couple messages if they know my whole name that they're gonna look it up But then it's, like, worse because, and this is specific to comedy, it's, like, if we're going to hang out and you've, like, watched my videos, you've seen exactly what I look like, Mm -hmm. you've seen me at, like, my most awkward, you've heard, like, some... And your most glorious. Yeah, both. (laughs) You've heard some dark secrets already. Like, there's nothing... It's not like I just have, like, my face, you know, in a darkened room. Right, right. And, my like, space few phase, details. Like, like it's everything. <laughs> so then if, like, I hung out with this one guy who's the only person that turned me down here so far. Like, everyone else has I've just been like, no thanks. But he did, he saw all that stuff. And then after, like, an hour of hanging out with me, it was like, I think we should just be friends. <laughs> like, what did I do in person that, like, changed your right, mind? Because right. you already saw everything. And, like, I'm... I'm fun in person. I mean, maybe you didn't click. I don't know. I know, but not even give it another shot. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm very charming. I think you're very charming, too. <laughs> I meet other people. I see other women. I know them. Like, mm-hmm. in, you know, a line of potential first dates that he had, it probably was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to be my friend. Yeah. That's almost more insulting as a woman, though, if, like... I'm like, so you already, like, knew what I looked like and wanted to hang out, and you don't even, like, want to just have, like, a cheap hookup with me? That's insulting. That's mostly what that <laughs> what that uh, site is about, right? Yeah. I mean, but I, I know like people that have, like... a long-term boyfriend online. You did? Yeah. I know like, people... I know a lot of people like that, that have done that. But it hasn't happened... I mean, that was, like, in 2005 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see it happening here. Every guy in Portland looks exactly the same on there. <laughs> Which is what? Which is how? It's like a strawberry blonde beard. And like, they all have cats in their photos. Yeah. Which I'm not anti-cat. Obviously, I have right, one. Right. But like, I'm, I'm, that many men with cats? I don't know. I'm, I'm also over the, there's a there's a cat thing happening. And, I don't, and people that don't see it, I don't understand why they don't see it. But there's a cat thing that's been happening for the past <laughs> two or three years that... Is is really getting to me? Like and the cat people are feeling empowered. The cats on Facebook and cats on you know on the internet and YouTube. Mark Maron's really into his cat. It's, it's there's a thing <laughs> happening that I I just I I I, I have to speak out against. <laughs> I'm fine with cats, but like I just feel like it's gone too far. Um, I I look I've been guilty of it. I, I had a, a cat shirt that I wore. Yeah. At several prominent concerts and was photographed <laughs> in that. But I think at the end of the day, it's too much. Too many cats. Too many cats and too too much adulation and, and, and adoration. Adulation. Adulation. Yeah. And like a lot of We need to take it down met. a notch. We need to take it down a notch. That's all I'm saying. 
the same with dogs. Like, that's not, they're not all just all great. There's like some real shitty ones. There's bad dogs and there's good dogs. It's weird that we even live with like animals in our houses. Oh, it's totally weird. <laughs> it's totally weird. That said, I do want a dog at some point. I want a dog too. This, this, this has been Amy Miller from her lovely apartment in Northeast. Yep. Northeast Portland. Portland. What's the address? <laughs> <laughs> What do you look like? All right. Signing off. This here is the outro. couple things. The music in the beginning, and possibly what I put underneath this. There's nothing underneath this yet, so I don't know what I'm going to put underneath this. Is uh, some stuff that I recorded uh, that Liz and Josiah took me to on my birthday, a concert of uh, Steve Reich pieces. Uh, Reich, I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but uh, that that piece uh, was entitled Nagoya Marimbas, and uh, that was played by a couple guys. So one of one of the guys is a friend of mine, uh, Matt Hawkins, and the other guy's name is Jeffrey Luft. Yeah, shouts. Also, I want to apologize. For eating apples during that interview. Look, it was after a show. I was really hungry. Amy's, I'm like, what do you have to eat? I'm on this diet, whatever. Amy's like, I got apples. I knew apples would be crunchy. Uh, I, I almost requested for her to make me an apple sauce out of the fresh apples. But uh, we only had so much time for the interview. So hopefully I didn't talk too much with a mouthful of Brayburn. Dig Amy. Check her out. I think amymiller.com is a thing. If not, you can find her on the freaking internet. She's all over the internet. She's actually the best at the internet out of anyone I know. Check her shit out. It's really good. Uh, You've been hearing pieces of her stuff, of course, throughout this episode. What else to say? I I appreciate you listening to my podcast again and again. I, I, I must say it. It is cool that you guys are out there in the world listening to me. I really would love some feedback. Tell me how you feel. Let me know. Find me on social medias. Is my format cool? You know, do I need to vary it more? Do I need to get into some more weird shit? Who, what guests do I need to have? Do you, do you know people that are really interesting? This is something, though, I, I only do it in person. I don't fuck around with these phone calls, Skype shits. I don't, nah. I'm, the wandering wolf wanders to your house or gets you in his hotel. Um, not sexually, but podcastily. I'm gonna podcastrate these folks. Thanks for listening once again. We're gonna we're gonna take it out with uh, uh, another joke from Amy. Okay. Hasta luego, homies.
You guys, it's never a good idea to be dumber at something than teenagers, okay? And this is what I compare it to. Like, remember like late 70s, early 80s, like seatbelt laws got real strict and a lot of our parents were just like, I'm not using that, it makes a trans am look dumb. Whatever. <laughs> I need this for my personal safety, like you have to put this on. There's a true story in my family. Uh, my mom is driving said Trans Am, and I am a six-week-old baby. My three siblings are in the back seat. To drive around, my mom lays me down on the front seat. And at some point, she stops short. She has to slam on her brakes, and I go rolling into the floorboard. My mom leaves me there. She looks in the back, she goes, it's really a lot safer down there if you think about it. <laughs> That's why you should wear condoms, because you might knock up someone as dumb as my mom. <laughs>